everyone. Welcome to our podcast. I'm Daphne. And I'm Gina. And this is This Week in Skating. Today, we are answering your questions. We did this last year and we had so much fun with it that we decided to kick off the new year, 2024. We would do it again and answer your questions and we got a lot of good questions. And so we are excited to answer them here for you today. Yes. We loved doing this mailbag episode last year, so we want to do it again, and we appreciate everyone who sent questions in. Yeah. Um, I think we'll start off with, we received a couple of questions about um, Russian skaters and the war, so I think we'll start right there. Melicia sent us the following. She wonders what our thoughts are on the impact on Russian skating if the war doesn't end soon. Will more skaters leave Russia? I don't mean to be insensitive Ukrainian skaters who have suffered so much disruption in their personal lives and training. Um, I think we can already see signs of demotivation among Russian skaters for lack of international competitions while Ukrainian skaters seem to be maintaining their momentum. So would love to hear your expert view on this. She also pointed out the JGP Budapest Pairs medal ceremony. This is a really complex issue. Gina and I made a decision when we started our podcast to be respectful of the situation going on between Russia and Ukraine and the impact it was having on the Ukrainian skaters and on the Ukrainian people. So as a result, we decided we keep our mention of Russia-specific skating news to a minimum. Again, it's a decision we made after considering everything that was happening in the world and also following a trend that many of the other skating media outlets are following. I do wonder what is going to happen if the war doesn't end soon, because I can see where the skaters in Russia would start to to be, you know, to lack the motivation to be able to continue to be competitive. Although that isn't necessarily what I've been reading online, because there have been others that have mentioned that the Russian skaters are... You know, even though they're not competing internationally, they're all still competing within Russia and it's keeping the level of skating high. You know, you bring up a great point, Melicia. I don't know what it means for the future of Russian skating if the war doesn't end soon. We've already seen some skaters leave Russia to go represent other countries Uh, Diana Davis and Gleb Smolkin, of course, um, are representing Georgia now and have had a really, you know, great season. They represented Russia at the 2022 Olympics. That's just one in particular. As I said, I'm not really sure what this is going to mean long term. This war has been going on for almost two years. It'll be two years in February because it started right after the 2022 Olympics. I don't know. Gina, what do you think? Well, first off, with the Russian skaters, I I rarely followed Russian nationals um, because Russian nationals was always around Christmas time and I didn't have time to be trying to find a stream to watch Russian nationals. So I only... My level of Russian skating was only what I saw internationally. So with them not skating internationally right now, I'm really not paying much attention to what they're doing just over there in Russia. Um, so that's where I'm at right now. So I have not been paying any attention to, you know, what they're doing, who's, you know, who's doing what, that sort of thing. Um, so I'm not even, you know, again, paying attention to Russian nationals. And that is because I never really did before the war and all that situation. Um, but you know, it's, we have an Olympics this coming spring. It's not 
the Winter Olympics, it's the Summer Olympics, and there has been the IOC talking about how if they're going to let Russian athletes compete, and if so, how they're going to let them compete. So we kind of, I feel like whatever happens with Paris, the Paris Olympics, will set the tone for what will happen for the next skating season. Um, will the IOS or will the ISU change course and allow them to compete if the IOC allows Russian athletes to compete? Um, I think that's where I feel like that's kind of where we are right now. It's just I think things will change if things change with the Olympics um, this coming year. Um, it definitely will set a tone. Yeah. From what I'm understanding, they're, they are going to allow competitors to compete individually, but there are stipulations. Okay. Like public displays of support of the war is war. part of it. Okay. Is it um, sort of like them competing how they've competed at the last Olympics where they were coming in, they were, well, the last Olympics, weren't they like, you know, Russian Olympic committee? This time, is it just they're coming in as individual, like don't represent any country? What, you know, like I, that's where I have these questions about, like, if they're allowed in as an individual athlete, is there still... Like, representing Russia in some way. I don't know, but... I don't think so. Okay. According to information that was posted on Olympics.com on December 8th, the executive board of the International Olympic Committee has decided that individual neutral athletes, or AINs, who have qualified through the existing qualification systems of the international federations on the field of play will be declared eligible to compete at the Olympic Games Paris 2024 in, in accordance with the conditions outlined below. Individual neutral athletes are athletes with a Russian or Belarusian passport and the strict eligibility conditions based on the recommendations issued by the IOC executive board on March 28, 2023 for international federations and international sports event organizers will be applied. So here are the eligibility conditions. Qualified athletes with a Russian or Belarusian passport will be entered as and compete as individual neutral athletes. Teams of athletes with a Russian or Belarusian passport will not be considered. Athletes who actively support the war will not be eligible to be entered or to compete. Support personnel who actively support the war will also not be entered. Athletes who are contracted to the Russian or Belarusian military or national security agencies will not be eligible to be entered or to compete. Support personnel who are contracted to the Russian or Belarusian military or national security agencies will not be entered. Any such individual neutral athlete, like all other participating athletes, will have to meet all anti-doping requirements applicable to them in the lead-up to and at the Olympic Games Paris 2024, and particularly those set out in the anti-doping rules of the international federations, the sanctions against those responsible for the war, the Russian and Belarusian states and governments remain in place for the Olympic Games Paris 2024. This means in particular that no flag, anthem, colors, or any other identifications whatsoever of Russia or Belarus will be displayed at the Olympic Games Paris 2024 in any official venue or official function, and no Russian or Belarusian government or state officials will be invited to or accredited for the Olympic Games Paris 2024. So, there are a lot of factors that went into all of this decision. This is an article that we will link in our show notes so that um, you're able to read it. 
Um, the ISU is not given any indication as to what their decision will be for next season. Um, I'm sure that they're taking everything into account. And as usual, Gina and I are monitoring the situation and will report on things as we get information. Yeah. But I definitely do think if the Russian war continues, if this war continues um, much longer, that if athletes are not allowed to compete internationally, they're going to try to find other countries where they can compete or who, who they can represent so they can compete. I don't think they're going to keep waiting it for that opportunity um, to, you know, compete. I think they'll take that advantage and try to find, you know, countries that would allow them to represent them. I think the biggest thing that comes into question is the athletes who are older, I don't know how long they they would want to compete if they didn't see an end in sight to the ban on Russian athletes. Yeah. And I'm not keeping track on who's still, you know, actively training and competing um, either. So I have no clue um, mm-hmm. who's still kind of, you know, really interested in still competing. One thing to point out is, you know, when they do allow Russia to come back, if or when, it's like they're starting from scratch. All of their, they do not have three spots for Worlds. It's it's like a brand new country into the system. Um, so that's something to remember too. And again, we don't know, really don't know much of anything. We're just like all of you just kind of waiting to see what is going to happen. Um, I know there are people that follow more closely than us, but that was a decision we made when we started our podcast that... Um, out of respect for what was going on, that we were not going to be um, focusing on the Russian competitions and the Russian skaters um, and just minimal mentions here and there if we felt that it was warranted to do so. Again, we're following what many other skating media outlets have done Mm -hmm. and chosen to step away from it. There are one or two that are continuing to cover it, if you are interested in results from national championships, not only Russia, if you are interested in that, um, or if you're interested in any of the other national championships that have been going on, because it has been all about national championships this month. Sure After has. the Grand Prix <laughs> final. We'll put a link to the skatingscores.com website. Mm-hmm. Their manager has been doing a fantastic job of keeping all results like plugged in there so you can do lots of filtering if you're interested in filtering by some of the different um markers pcs tes and more um you can definitely do that there it's uh yeah so we can definitely do that i hope that we in a roundabout way malisha answered your question i think you know to sum it up I can see where athletes would get frustrated with the lack of opportunities to compete internationally and want to change countries, but that's going to probably be on an individual basis. And I think, you know, we're two years into this war. There's more to it also, because in addition to that, We also got questions about the doping because Mm -hmm. we are awaiting a big decision. Right. And so not only is this the war an issue, we also have the doping issue. Mm -hmm. Yeah, sometimes we forget about the doping issue. Automatically right away we just look that Russia is not competing and it's because of the war, which is true. But... There's that whole other big issue that if the war wasn't going on, I think we would be definitely talking about it, and we are talking about it, but it's the doping. I mean, um, we're waiting 2024 
I wouldn't have thought it, it would take us until 2024 to have a decision regarding what happened at the Olympics in 2022. But we will yeah. have a decision next month in February. Yeah. I mean, it has been two years. I remember we had Vincent Joe on almost a year ago to talk about, you know, the whole experience, his Olympic experience in general, but also to talk about, you know, what it's been like to wait all this time and not have an answer. And so we don't know what that answer is going to be or what other repercussions may come from it. So even once the war has concluded, there are these underlying issues of doping that are going to have to be considered. And if, I mean, the IOC included it within the stipulations <laughs> for a reason. Yep. Because this is an ongoing problem. Mm-hmm. So hopefully that answers your question. The one question that we did get from Marco is, will February's doping ruling restore the team event in the next Olympics and beyond? So, the team event will continue to be part of the Olympics until they remove it. I think a lot is going to be determined when that ruling comes out. Yep, totally. And honestly, right now, I expect anything. Yeah, I'm not putting any predictions or any expectations on this ruling because I'm not even, I'm just, I haven't even circled the date and penciled it. You know, I have like, I penciled it in maybe into my calendar saying, okay, we're expecting a ruling on this date, but I didn't put it in like black marker because we've been so many times throughout this whole thing. It, we think something is coming and then it doesn't happen or, and we just have, it's been delayed after delay. And so I'm hoping that we're going to get that decision in February, but I'm kind of at the same time too, not going to get my hopes up if we don't get a decision and they delay it because that's how this has been for the past two years. So it's expect the unexpected basically. I'm really hopeful that we're going to get a decision in February. I just don't know what that decision's going to be, and I have no expectation. Yeah. Yep. Because I don't want to be disappointed. Yeah. Or, I don't know, I want to hope for the best and and that things are going to work out in the way that is best for the athletes involved. I think a decision on this is only going to solve one thing which is who's going to get what medals it's not i don't know what its effect is going to be on long-term doping which has just been happening for it's just been such a long time that little things have been done to try to stop it and nothing has really slowed it down so yeah i'd really i'm hoping for the best I hope that whatever comes out, that whatever the decision is, that a closer look is taken and stricter measures are put in place to remove doping from competition. That was a lot, Gina. It and that was, was just a the lot. beginning. <laughs> we took the hard one and the tough, the tough one to talk about, and we put it right at the beginning. We did. <laughs> Yeah, so we wanted to get that out of the way before we moved on to some of the other questions that we received. Um, The next one um, from our producer, (laughs) Mateo. This is a great one. Solo Dance is finally on the ISU website. What are your thoughts? (laughs) Really excited for Brooke and Lucas and all the other solo dancers who have been hoping and working towards this day for such a long time. Um, Not only them, but the ones who came before them, you know, that, that did it early on. It's a momentous occasion to have this finally included. And I'm really hoping that an international competition is announced. We have all the technical, you know, background stuff that has to be in place. So now let's put a competition on the books. Mm-hmm. I'm really excited <laughs> about this. 
Uh, just a week ago, I was looking at results from Danish nationals, and they had solo dance at their nationals. Oh, okay. So I just started thinking, wow, this is great. Another country. I know that there are countries out there that are uh, already, you know, creating pathways for athletes to be able to be part of this. But I really want to get everyone in the same place. I want there to be like a, a competition where we have, you know, athletes from different countries coming together for solo dance. Yeah. And... Yeah, there, there are, there's a lot more to talk about now, so maybe we'll get an expert to come in and chat with us about this, with one or two people in mind that could come in and just talk about the process of getting this on the international stage, because um, it'd be really good to be able to have that conversation and share that information with our listeners. Yes. Yeah, it's very exciting to see it now on the ISU website. When we had Brooke and Luke Lucas on um, in the summer, they were very excited, you know, hearing about international competitions for solo dance. And now it's like, okay, we're, you know, finally, are we, you know, going to see those competitions coming around the corner? Um, so, yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing what, what's to come it, it's it's exciting i i consider it now we have another discipline into skating so we have our four our you know men women pairs and dance and then um synchro and now i we've got solo dance in there so it's very exciting and um just yeah i can't wait to see what comes of it so definitely um again we'll probably try to get brooke and lucas back on to talk about this as well because they're the top two senior skaters in the country for solo dance it'll be great to get them back on to talk about you know what they think of this um i know that at idc we got a lot of athletes um posting and tagging us in it because of their just their general excitement and so I'm excited to be able to, you know, continue to expand our coverage of this sport to include an international. We'll see, you know, once information has been released, you know that we're going to share it on this podcast. Yes, definitely. Well, Daphne, Melicia had another question for us. She said, juniors to watch from the Grand Prix, question mark. Something about Nesset and Markaloff who broke a world record. So there are definitely a lot of juniors from the Junior Grand Prix to watch um, this season. If you're getting, if you didn't really watch the Junior Grand Prix series, now you're sorting. Okay, who should I watch for for Junior Worlds? There's a lot, and for me, it's that Junior women are just so exciting to watch because we have this new talent, and they've been around for a year or so. Um, but it's the Japanese women and the Korean women. And that was what we had at the Junior Grand Prix final with all six, either from Japan or Korea. Um, Mao Shimada and Jia Shin are the two, definitely the top two. Uh, if you watch the Junior Grand Prix final, Jia Shin from Korea was in first after the short program and then it flipped and Mao Shimada um won the title, but those two and just the the depth of the young Japanese and Korean women, it's it's so exciting because we've have our veteran Kore um Korean and Japanese skaters, you know, with Kaori Sakamoto, Mai Miyahara, you Wak Wakaba Haguchi, the you know, the list goes on with the Japanese skaters and then, you know, Hyun Lee with Korea. And it's so exciting to see another, you know, these up and comers coming up who will eventually take the place of the, you know, those skaters we've been watching for so long. So that's, what's exciting for me from the junior grand prix was these, you know, the, the J Japanese and the Korean women. Um, and then, I mean, the Canadian pairs teams, uh, three teams qualified for the junior grand prix final. There's really like Canada is, doing pretty well in the pairs field. Um, you know, where maybe some countries are struggling to get some teams in pairs. 
not Canada. Um, and so th- they, uh, and they were new teams too. So it's exciting to see, um, some new teams coming up in, in Canada, but yeah, I, there were a lot of great skaters to watch. One I also want to mention too is Slovakia's Adam Hagara, who he was splitting the junior level and the senior level. So if you didn't watch the junior Grand Prix this season, you might have watched or at least checked out the results of the Challenger events. And Adam was competing in the Challenger events as well. Um, he did win the bronze at the final on the junior level. Um, but yeah, he's one to watch too. He's been making some history for his country this season. So yeah, the junior Grand Prix was exciting this season. Um, it's always nice to see some of the young skaters, you know, definitely making a mark and leaving their mark and making a name for themselves as they get ready to, you know, tackle the senior level. And Daphne, I'll leave it for you to talk about Leah and Artem there. Yeah. Um, the interesting thing about Leah and Artem is last season, they came out really strong. The first competition I saw them in was in Dallas, and they came out very prepared, ready to go. Unfortunately, they only were able to compete at one JDP event, their second JDP that they had been reassigned to ended up being canceled and um, they were unable to compete. I think they would have started to make a mark last season had it not been for that issue. This season, they came out even more prepared than they were <laughs> last season and I didn't think that was possible. I think that um, this year they've been setting the bar for junior teams to aspire to. Um, that said, uh, Elizabeth Kachenko and Alexei Kalayakov have had a fantastic season, posting, you know, great results. Also, Daria Grimm, Mikhail Savitsky from Germany, they have two really strong programs. I think, you know, those three teams are definitely leading the way, but I also want to point out one thing. So Maria Pinchuk, Mikita Pogorelayev, they actually made the final and competed in Beijing. However, there is another team from Ukraine, uh, Irina Pegaina and Artem Koval, who won their second uh, JDP event, were not able to qualify for the final because they finished too low at their first competition. They're a team that I'm really interested to see where they will fit within these top teams when they're all together. Um, Pinchuk and Pogorelayev will be competing at the European Championships at the senior level. They did that last season as well, uh, finishing 15th. So, you know, that's just another team I want to throw out there. Also wanted to mention uh, Rio Nakata, who won the Junior Grand Prix Final. Uh, Rio is from Japan. And Hang Young Kim from Korea, who won the silver medal. I think there's, those are just some of the great stars to watch. And yeah, I'm excited to see, you know, that that's what stands out for, for me at the junior level. So next... What are your favorite Grand Prix moments from this season? So for me, I'm going to be honest with the Grand Prix this season. It was it was different for me because I was not at Skate America. Um, and what was it? The past two seasons, I was at least at Skate America. So I did not get to see a Grand Prix event live this year. So that was different. Um, and I also travel during two Grand Prix events. Um, Skate America, I was gone and I was also gone during uh, Grand Prix Spa. So I feel like I didn't catch a lot of the series live and it's different watching it 
on replay when you know the results compared to watching it live. So, cause I feel like when I was just watching it on replay and knowing the results, I was just watching to see, okay, well, how well did they actually skate or what did they mess up on so that I could figure out why they're in that place. Um, so I, I have a hard time with this question because it, again, it was a different Grand Prix uh, season for me just in the fact that I didn't go to Skating America and that I was uh, I had non-skating events um, during the se- season but uh, definitely the quad axle and the short program during the Grand Prix is a, probably a favorite moment of mine um, I actually I think I did see that live I'm trying to remember now it was only a couple weeks ago Um and that was at the final there. Uh, but, um, I mean, just the returning of some skaters, I think, are favorite moments of mine. Just like, you know, having um, Yuma Kagiyama back, uh, Wakaba Haguchi back. Just some skaters that I have enjoyed their skating and know how, you know, they've been out and now they're making their comebacks. Um, those, I would think, are favorite moments of mine. Um... Yeah, uh, and in the new pairs teams, that I think that would definitely be you know surprising to see teams win titles that I wasn't expecting, like you know the new partnership of Minerva and Nikita, um, who won the final, and yeah, they had their two late um, Grand Prix events there. But yeah, it's hard to say like really a favorite moment because I I felt like this Grand Prix season for me was just different, very much different. I mean, I followed it as best I could, but it was just so different. It wasn't, um, I like to go to Skate America and I, and I wasn't there this year and, and then having a travel happening during another Grand Prix event, it, it was, it was a tough, tough to follow this year. Yeah. Um, I did not go to Skate America either. I was able to follow along pretty well. Plus, I think we both relied on Mateo <laughs> being able to talk with us about the competitions. Who gave us this question, by the way? Yeah. <laughs> so um, here are just a few of the things that I enjoyed most about the Grand Prix. Um, I really enjoyed the fresher faces like nina pinzeroni yes making the grand prix final i mean that was such a huge thing uh kaori sakamoto Mm -hmm. um continuing to be the leader yeah you know setting the bar um for me watching seeing allison reed and saul um get onto the podium too twice uh, that was great. You know, a new faces on the podium. They're not new faces mm-hmm. to us, but just new faces on the podium with a team that has worked so hard um, to have those moments um, and just the thrill that they had when they with the, winning the bronze twice this season. So, um, yeah, that was another one of mine. Yeah, there were a lot of, you know, newer... There were a lot of newer faces. Um, we also had a Marjorie Lajoie, Zachary Laga making the Grand Prix final for the first time. Um, I thought that that was, you know, a great step for them this season. Um, seeing Yulia Turkala and Matthias versus Luis continuing to raise the level of Finnish ice dance. Um, has been great. Um, I have to say, I missed seeing Caitlin Hawaiik and Jean-Luc Baker out on the Grand Prix series this season. You know, there's just something about their skating quality. And, you know, when someone's missing, especially for me in Ice Dance, when I follow the sport so closely, when someone's missing, it... You know, the presence isn't there. And so, you know, they're definitely missed. I also, though, enjoyed, you know, the new teams that came on to the Grand Prix series. Yeah. And I can't forget 
because it, it was the first event, Skate America in Amber Glenn's triple axle when she finally landed the triple axle, regardless of how the rest of the program went, um, just her getting to do it and finally, you know, lands it after attempt after attempt after attempt and um, doing it in front of family and friends because Skate America was in Texas and Amber is from Texas. That was an amazing way to start the, you know, the Grand Prix season. Again, unfortunately, we know what happened there. You know, she had that really high moment and then the program just got away from her. And so she did not medal there, but it was still a great accomplishment for Amber. And I, we believe she did it again at Golden Spin. We just didn't have any way of seeing it because it wasn't streamed. But hopefully we will see her land that triple axle in Columbus in a couple weeks. Um, but yeah, that was one um, highlight and a favorite moment of mine from the Grand Prix was just knowing how hard she's been working on that. I wish I was there in the arena when she landed it because I've you know seen the, the attempts in person a couple of times. Um, but I did give out a loud scream when I was watching it and seeing her land it. And I did see that live. Um, I, I screamed, I was like, yes, finally. But, um, (laughs) so yeah, that was a favorite moment of mine. Um, yeah, I have to also point out, um, Mikhail Shadarov winning a medal in China, which was huge for Kazakhstan. Adam Xiaohim Fa. Oh yeah, two Grand Prix events like just coming coming out as the the favorite, sort of going into the final. We were we weren't thinking that, and um, unfortunately, final didn't go as well as he had hoped. But hopefully, you know, we'll have to see how he pulls it together for Europeans and if he can defend his title at the European Championships. Yes, that is a huge question we're we're just gonna have to wait and see yeah so the next question have y'all been to columbus before excited to have nats in my hometown this is from claire uh never i have been to cleveland um for nationals in 2009 i'm excited for nationals to be in columbus i was able to get a direct flight I don't think there has been a skating event hosted there since I've been covering skating. So this is going to be a new experience for me. Um, But I'm definitely very, very excited to be to be coming to Columbus. Um, I got all my arrangements made and I'm yeah, I'm just really looking forward to being there. If you have any good recommendations, Claire. Those of us in the media try to do at least one dinner or lunch together. If there's a place near the arena that you think would be great for us to have that, please let us know. Yeah, Since definitely. it's in your hometown, uh, maybe you can give us a little heads up on yeah, that. Yeah, any recommendations? Because I haven't been to Columbus before, but I did drive through Columbus. I believe I think I drew through Columbus on my way to Indianapolis in November. Um, I saw signs for Columbus, and so I did get excited. I was like, oh, I'll see you in January, Columbus. But no, I'm so excited for Columbus because this is my first in-person skating event of the season, and it's really late for me to be saying that. Normally, I've either been to Lake Placid or Skate America, and this year, neither one of those events. So this is my first in-person event of the season. So I'm really excited. Uh, last time I was at a nationals in Ohio was 2009 in Cleveland. And that actually was my very first nationals. So I'm excited to be going to Ohio, uh, here in Western New York. It's not too far from me, Columbus, but I am not taking any chances on the January weather. I am actually flying. Um, it wouldn't have been a bad drive for me, but yeah, I don't know what 
uh, lake effect along Lake Erie could provide um, in January, and that would be my route. So I'm I'm I have my flights all set, and I'm looking forward to just going this, not having to handle how I'm getting there. Let the pilots get me there <laughs> safely. <laughs> So, uh, next question. U.S. Nationals predictions? Oh. Hmm. Um, okay. Okay. I, I think, right. okay, so I'm not going to go, like, first, second, third. I'm just going to say predictions for the national champions. Okay? Yep. That sounds good. For men, uh, Ilya Molinin will win his second U.S. title. For women, I okay. For women, I'm thinking it's going to be Isabeau winning her second title. Pairs, I have absolutely no clue because we have not seen Emily Chan and Spencer Howell all season. They're expected to be at nationals. If they are skating at what, how we saw them skate last season, I would think the title is theirs. But it's really, I, I can't make any predictions there. And dance, Maddie and Evan. So those yeah, are going to be my two. Yeah, I think those are great. Um, those are great predictions. I kind of agree with all of them. I think there are a few skaters who could play spoiler or at least make things interesting. Um, Amber Glenn and mm-hmm. Ava Maria Ziegler, I think, could definitely make things interesting. Oh, yeah, that's another favorite moment of the Grand Prix. I forgot yeah. about Ava. See, <laughs> my brain, <Yeah. laughs> it shut off after the Grand Prix season was over. But, yeah, that's a definitely a great moment. Yeah, so there's that. Um, in pairs, Chelsea Liu, Balash Naji. I think that, you know, it's going to depend on Chan and how mm-hmm. and what strength they're at and if they're there right um then yeah i have to agree with all the others that that you said i think Ilya malinin has just really put himself in a position to be on um, not only chased by the u.s men but by the other men in the yeah. world <laughs> yeah totally skating. um follow-up question uh from Liv. Uh, who asked about the Nationals predictions. World Team U.S. Ice Dance. Again, um, Maddie Chalk, Evan Bates. Outside of that, um, the body of work, you because U.S. figure skating looks at body of work, that is that makes things a little more complicated. Caitlin Hwaik and Jean-Luc Baker, we have not seen this season. We don't know. I mean, right now they're on the roster to compete. Now, Daphne, I have a question on that. Should, and again, we have, we know nothing. They're on the roster. We are expecting them to compete. But should they not compete at nationals and decide to put in a petition for a world spot, would they be given a world spot as easily as they were given last season? Because last season we did see them in the Grand Prix, but here we have not seen them since last Grand Prix. Would they be given a spot based on just their previous i'm just kind of wondering now because it's been so removed since we we saw them if they don't compete at at nationals and decide to petition for worlds would they get the spot i mean we're talking about olympians Mm -hmm. they could petition for a spot I think if they don't go to U.S. championships, then I'm not sure that they will compete this season. That's my own personal mm-hmm. feeling. I don't know. I, ha- I have not spoken with them, so I can't say, oh, yeah, they're going to do this or that. I'm just thinking based on what happened last year. Mm-hmm. I just have a feeling if they miss U.S. championships... um. I would think U.S. figure skating would definitely monitor them and before they made a determination as to what the team will be. Because Four Continents is at such a weird time this year or because the timing of it with regard to U.S. championships, I know they're almost going to have to name the team before nationals just because 
there's just no time in between. <laughs> no. Because <laughs> Four Continents is in China and you have to have a visa. Right. So they they have to be considering that. There are a number of teams that have skated well um, to be included with Chalk and Bates. Emily Azingis, um, Vadim Kolejnik. You have... Caroline Green, Michael Parsons, who definitely improved throughout the season. Ava Pate and Logan By started the season very strong at Autumn Classic. Christina Had their best. Anthony. Christina Carrera, Anthony Ponomarenko. Um, Una Brown and Gage Brown, who finished fourth at Skate Canada and passed both Ava Pate and Logan By and Emily Evazingas and Vadim Kolesnik, um, yeah, those are just some, I mean, those are the teams that you have to consider and you need to look at where they are ranked. If they look at the ISU ranking system, Green and Parsons are, were ranked 10th on the Grand Prix. Christina and Anthony were ranked 11th. Ava and Logan were 12th and Emilia and Vadim 13th. Una and Gage were 16th, but Emily, Brady, and Ian Somerville were 15th. They're all similar. And Caroline and Michael were 6th at Worlds last year. And I think they're a team that starts the season slower and builds up so that they peak at the right times. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So that's, they have to consider all of that. It's, it's not an easy thing to have to, uh, to put together, but there are a lot of factors. Um, I haven't done the math. No. <laughs> well, and I, with all those teams you just pointed out, we should mention that even if it seems like we know who's going to win the dance event, how the rest of the placements are going to go is what is so exciting about the dance event at U.S. Nationals because between third and eighth place, it could all be by a point, less than a point, a little more than a point. It's all going to be really close. And so it's so exciting to watch because, you know, you just said 10th, 11th ranking, 12th ranking, they're all really close and really tight. And that's always what is exciting to watch at Nationals. Again, you know, it's probably going to be Maddie and Evan that win the title. I mean, we're, I mean, I don't think. Being realistic. realistic, You know, but how the rest of those teams are going to fall. Because we had, was this the year we had so many U.S. dance teams like the highest? a number, yeah. The last couple of years we've had. Between eight and ten teams on the Grand Prix, it's been pretty fantastic. Um, if you look at last year's national results and you look at Challenger Series results later in the season and you look at Grand Prix results, I mean, Green and Parsons, Carrera Ponomarenko have been consistent once we got onto the Grand Prix. Um, Zingas and Kolesnik won a silver medal at the Golden Spin more recently. There's just a lot to consider. And they will, they won't be able to take into consideration Nationals results, so they're going to have to look at this. Yeah. (laughs) Everything. So it's going to be a big math equation. That's, uh, yeah, that's just Have Jackie get on it. He's good at math equations. Yeah, yeah. So, um, Gina and I received so many questions that we're probably going to have to record a part two to this podcast. So if you do have more questions for us, please, um, send them in. And if we didn't get your question on this one, we will get to it on the next one. Yeah, we got a lot we got a lot of world predictions and I think we need to we can't really make um any predictions on worlds right now because we are just turning the corner on the second half of the season. 
we have U.S. nationals, all the nationals that have happened, Europeans, four continents. And so then I think we can make our predictions on worlds. So we'll save those questions for another episode and we will definitely we will have yeah. our predictions we'll re- on worlds. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we may need to record these more often. Uh, there were a couple of questions that required us to do a little uh, additional research. Um, so we're going to we're going to do that. And yeah, so please keep submitting questions. Gina, can you let folks know where they can find us? Well, you can find us at our website. It's thisweekinskating.com on social media, including the site formerly known as Twitter, at thiswkinskating, and then Facebook and Instagram, it's thisweekinskating. And then if you're on threads, make sure you check us out there as well. We love your feedback or your questions. You can reach out to us on social media or email us at thisweekinskating at gmail.com. We appreciate all of your feedback as we move through the second half and remainder of this season. We're both very excited. The number of competitions is much less (laughs) as we are steering towards the end of the 23-24 season. Uh, Be sure to participate in our contest by leaving us a review on Apple Podcasts. We would appreciate that, and that will help us uh, continue to grow our podcast and our audience. That's all you have to do is leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. Yeah. Um, Yeah, we definitely appreciate it. Uh, With that, we have reached the end of this episode. Thanks for listening. I'm Daphne. And I'm Gina. And you've been listening to This Week in Skating. Have a nice week and happy 2024.